Welcome to Cover Stories, the podcast where we talk to musicians we like about music they love. I'm your host, Eric, and every week I invite different artists to cover a song of their choice and discuss what it means to them. This week we have Nerd Rock Josh covering Stars Go Blue by Ryan Adams. We talk about the nuances of art versus the artists and discuss Josh's musical journey from playing in a cover band on the St. Mary's Strip to touring as guitar tech and filling guitarist for the band We the Kings. He elaborates on the music that he first got into, which evolved into a conversation about our favorite movie soundtracks and our favorite professional wrestling entrance songs. Josh produces a local wrestling show every Thursday for Heavy Metal Wrestling. You can check them out on twitch.tv slash heavy metal wrestling. This is Cover Stories. Welcome to Cover Stories. Uh, my name is Eric. I've got my producer, Zach, here. Hello. And today we've got Nerd Rock Josh covering Ryan Adams' When the Stars Go Blue. Yay! How's it going? It's good, man. How are you? Doing all right. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, so just to jump right into it. Uh, what made you decide to do this song? Um, well, you had a previous guest, Seth Bridges, and... He was like, you're going to be on cover stories? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I know a lot of songs that I could cover. And he's like, you should do Stars Go Blue because you sing that real good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If I can remember the second verse, then, yeah, I can sing it real good. <laughs> so hopefully I remember the second verse. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um this was your second choice because you were going to do a Flying Burrito Brothers band song, Yeah, right? that song is really short, but, yeah. it, but it means a lot to me. What, uh, what, so when you were thinking about doing that one, what, what did it mean to you? Like, What, what made you decide that one first? Uh, well, that song, uh, Do You Know How It Feels to Be Lonely, uh, it's one of the only songs that I can sing about loneliness without breaking into tears. I can actually like do facial expressions to the audience when performing it. And like, you know, if I were to do like Roy Orbison's, uh, uh, crying uh, or only the lonely, yeah. like I'd be like mid song, like breaking into tears. Cause yeah. like those songs remind me of my mother and stuff. Oh, really? you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this is, this is gonna be interesting. I'm, I'm definitely glad that, uh, you're on here. I'm looking forward to hearing the song. I was looking forward to hearing whatever you want to do. Cause I know you've got a, a wide range. <laughs> yeah, I used to be in a cover band for like a little while. We had a residency at the Mix. Oh, cool. And it was with my buddy, Gentleman Joe, and we were Gentleman Joe in the Collars, and we split vocal duties, and he sang all the outlaw songs about drinking and and uh, whoring, <laughs> <laughs> and I sang all the love songs. Oh, cool. And all the ballads. And I've always wanted... I've always preferred being like a crooner over like the rock star. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, like Engelbert Humperdinck and Tom Jones. They always looked so cool. Like, it's just <laughs> them on the stage and they're singing and like, everyone's just like, oh, you get it. You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. She's a lady. <laughs> <laughs> she do that one next time. Oh, man. Okay. I'll, I'll, 
I gotta remember the words. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because you, you bring up Seth's episode, and he did Brooks and Dunn, and Brooks and Dunn kind of had that dynamic where Brooks is like the the sultry guy, and yeah. Dunn is like the rock star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to. I always like that dynamic where you got like. It's like a boy band, you know, yeah, you got the yeah. bad boy and like the good guy. The shy one. Yeah. And then you got the crazy one and then the one that dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or his career dies. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets resurrected, Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> um, so, uh, it you know, there's not too much of uh, I mean, obviously there's 30 years in between the songs, uh, you know, um, the, the Flying Burrito band that you wanted to do and in this Ryan Adams song, but... They're still kind of along the same line. It's like I wouldn't call Ryan Adams' song like outlaw country, but there's definitely that vibe. It's like a it's like an outlaw's ballad, yeah, in a way. But I don't know. His lyrics are fun to interpret and reinterpret. And then, like after you learn that he's kind of a creep, like, yeah, it's like what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. But you know, he's he, he's a great songwriter. He's got some really catchy tunes. Like I love Halloween Head. And uh, let it ride, but uh, stars go blue. Like I didn't even know it was a Ryan Adams song. It's been covered a few times. Yeah, the first time I heard it was on Oprah. Oh, really? (laughs) And I hated it, (laughs) but it was because Bono was singing. Oh, the chorus, right? Yeah, Yeah. the chorus. (laughs) And like I, I listened to their version this morning on my way here, and I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, it's just so bad. Like bless them for trying, but. Ugh, like it just doesn't sound right. There's too much cheese on it, right? It, it's, it's a lot of cheese. Like they're way too happy singing it, you know. And you know, you listen to like Ryan Adams or even I think it was like Tim McGraw yeah. or someone else who covered. It. Like they they sing it with some some evocation. Like it feels sincere. Yeah, you know they're not. <laughs> you know they're. You know they're kind of they're, they're they're kind of somber. You know. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of minor chords in it, so you'd expect it to be a little somber. Yeah. You know. So yeah, they're not, they're not trying to look cool while they're singing it with sunglasses inside or anything. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, my sunglasses are on the table. <laughs> Appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. You can wear them inside. I'm not going to judge. Um, <laughs> you brought up uh, Ryan Adams' creepiness, and that's kind of the elephant in the room here. Um, you know, there's been several allegations uh, against him, and the FBI is investigating him, <coughs> his communications with the minor. Um, you know, in the last few years, of course, we've seen a lot of high-profile artists kind of go down for that, and um, there's always been a debate about separating the music or separating the art from the artist and from the person um, how do you feel about that in general? I uh, people are gonna hate me for this, but I fucking love listening to R. Kelly because, like, yeah, I know he's a fucking terrible, terrible man, but I the man wrote a song called "Pregnant," <laughs> and the chorus is "Girl, I wanna get you pregnant," and like the fact that they sing this song with like passion and a straight face. It's like, this is a comedy act or something to me. You know, like, Trapped in the Closet was one of the most compelling things I've ever watched. Like, you can't look away, because you're like, what the fuck is going to happen next? (laughs) Like, the man has a sense of brilliance, but, yeah, he's a terrible bastard. Yeah. But I'm glad I got to enjoy something about him, instead of just hating him for being a terrible bastard. 
you know, same with like Michael Jackson. Yeah. You know, there's several allegations about him and like, you know, his whole story is fucked up, but like, yeah, he also gave us some great shit yeah. too, you know, and, you know, should we burn him at the stake and like, you know, burn all the records? No, but. Because, like, the music itself didn't preach hate yeah. or anything of that nature. You know, R. Kelly, if you just listen to it as a joke, ironically, you know, like, sex in the kitchen, <laughs> by the stove, you know, the, it's hilarious. Yeah. You know, and I've always loved funny music. And I also have a dark sense of humor, so maybe that explains a lot. But, like... Guys like Ryan Adams, he still wrote really good songs. Yeah. Like, have you heard, <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, th- these guys all have catalogs. I mean, same with, like, yeah. these creepy directors yeah. and, like, movie producers. Like, they still got us some good shit. Yeah, we, they shouldn't be, like, as popular now because of everyone being woke or whatever, but, like... Yeah, I could totally understand, like, their fan base being shot down to, like, a quarter of what he originally had. Yeah. Like, I I get that, you know, but that's after learning how they either abuse their power or their stardom, you know. Oh, man, I should have done that into the mic. Damn (laughs) it, that would have been a good sample. Um, I want to record my farts one day. (laughs) So put them on a keyboard and yeah, exactly. <laughs> because like I have a really, really musical butt. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, I mean, there's a lot of nuance to that. I mean, I don't think we can, we can't fully just separate the artist from or the person from the art. But at the same time, I, I agree with you, and to that sense, you know, it there is definitely a level to it to where we can still listen to it, but you listen to it more constructively. You yeah, know? I mean. People love Sublime, and people also hate junkies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, one, one thing I always bring up is that the Hey song has been a staple in stadiums still. Oh, yeah. And Gary, Gary Glitter. Glitter is a pedophile. Well, well, I mean, I love the movie Dirty Dancing, and I love the soundtrack, and Phil Spector fucking produced half oh, the yeah. songs on it, and that guy was a psychopath. Yeah. But he also produced some of the, like, one of the Ramones, like, yeah. best songs, <laughs> and, like, all this other good shit. He did Let It Be also, right? I think so. Yeah. Like, Phil Spector, like, did some crazy shit, like, musically, yeah. and it was, like, legendary, and then... You learn, like, you know, he fucking locked his wife in a room for, like, years, and wow. Yeah. You know? I heard, I I don't know if, maybe I might be making this up or mixing it up with someone else, but the Ramones, when they were recording that album with him, that he would bring in, like, a loaded gun to the studio yeah. sessions. Because he, like, thought they were gang members or something. Yeah. Like, that they were, like, legit New York tough guys, but they're all, you know... Bunch of nerds. Bunch of glue sniffers, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, like, the two, and, like, Johnny and Joey hated each other oh, yeah. probably by then, so, like, well, <laughs> this is interesting. That's one of those bands that, like... I love the Ramones. Oh, me too. I learned how to play guitar by playing along with the Ramones. Oh, really? Yeah. What songs were some of the first ones you did? Uh, Blitzkrieg Bob, of course, because that's like the hot cross buns of (laughs) of power chords. And 
you know, I, I had taken like band in middle school and played the trumpet. So oh, I kind of cool. knew like, okay, so if this is an A, a D, and an E, okay, so that means this is a B and this is a G. <laughs> and then like I found a website with like all the Ramones lyrics with like the chords like above, you know, yeah. above it and uh, like a chord chart. And so I just put on my Ramones Mania CD and just played along for hours and hours, like learning my notes on my fretboard. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I got into playing surf rock. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Did, was, did you ever learn Miserly? I feel like that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, feel oh, like yeah. it's a staple. <laughs> like Walk, Don't Run, and uh, like I learned a lot of uh, the Ventures catalog. Oh, cool. I love the Ventures um, Miserly was one of the first like guitar riffs I learned where I couldn't press my uncles. They're like, "Oh, that Pulp Fiction song, play that one again." <laughs> right? I could just play like the first ten seconds of it. And that was enough. <laughs> uh, that's how that's how it was when I learned the first like little lick to uh, the song from El Mariachi. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's all you need, man. <laughs> no, that's cool. It, it's funny because uh, I uh, when Rock Band got really popular, that's how I learned how to play drums was from Rock Band. Hell yeah! And I had an older. I worked at Best Buy at the time. I had this older coworker. She was kind of a traditionalist, and she was like, "All you got to do." She is from Georgia. So all you got to do is just listen to ACDC and yep. just play along to that. That's how you yep. learn drums. <laughs> That's how I learned how to play drums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, my mom was all about it because, like, I, I, I would try and play along with, like, Green Day. And it was, yeah. like, real fast. And so all my mom ever heard was <laughs> <laughs> just lots of noise. And then, like, uh, I forget which wrestler came out to Back in Black on e in ECW. But I used to, like be really really into like the music of pro wrestling yeah so like acdc was one of the bands and i'm like i'm gonna play along to back in black and little <laughs> did i know that's the hot cross yeah. buns <laughs> of drums and then my mom's like "Ooh, turn it up i like that song because my mom really loved rock music <laughs> i was teaching a friend how to play drums and she's pretty musically talented and i I think I started, I don't remember if it was that song or another ACDC song. I taught her like the first like few bars and she's like, okay, what's next? I'm like, oh, you're pretty much done. <laughs> just add a little. That's drums. Just, just add some pizzazz and yeah. you're good. <laughs> um, play it faster or play it slower. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> what uh, what other, what were some of your favorite uh, entrance music, intro music for oh, wrestlers? Oh, man. I loved Bret Hart's. Oh, yeah. Like, just that screeching guitar to open it up. Uh, the DX one was cool. Yeah. But, like, I didn't really care for Rage Against the Machine <laughs> all that much. I think uh, a lot of friends, that was the first Rage song they ever heard. Basically. And it wasn't even Rage. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, like, sounded like Rage. Oh, this is badass. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's, like, First, like, 30 seconds is great. And then after that, it's like, all right. I can't hear like, glass shattering without wanting to hear the rest yeah. of the Yeah. <laughs> but, like, after, like, 30 seconds, it's like, all right, like, come on, where's the fight? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I've always loved Shawn Michaels' intro. I'm just a sexy boy. <laughs> My brother wanted to come out to that for his wedding, and his, <laughs> his wife would not let him Oh, man. Uh, Dusty Rhodes' WWF theme. I don't remember America. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dream. 
my brother and I would play this game where we would try to get songs stuck in each other's heads. Oh. And I am a real American. Hulk Hogan oh, yeah. was always like our go-to to where it got forbidden. Like, no, you can't do that one. Oh, too speaking easy. of Hulk Hogan themes, this one, like, I had downloaded, like, this is back in the dial-up days, people. <laughs> but, like, I was trying to download, like, wrestlers' themes to, like, drum along to. And, like, Hulk Hogan theme. I'm like, all right, this is going to be badass. And it was a completely different song from Real American. <laughs> But it was like more badass than real American. And I'm like, how is this possible? And it's like starts off with this like badass piano and like this big cannon sound and like the crowd chanting, Hulk, Hulk. And like it's got this searing guitar and like, oh, it's so awesome. And then I like went to go find it again and. Then it had, like, lyrics on it. Oh, really? And it was a Bonnie Tyler song oh, no shit. called Ravishing. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, this, that song is, like, the, it is so descriptive of, like, a lonely housewife waiting for her hot, like, lawyer husband to come home <laughs> and just take her to bed. <laughs> like, those lyrics are so vulgar, but so poetic. Like, I'm, like... You know those Fabio co- book cover books, yeah. like the trashy romance novels? Okay, so picture like 1988, Lonely Housewife. She's like still fit and stuff. She, she's she got a Nordic track, right? And she's using that Nordic track and reading that fucking trashy romance novel. This is her fucking montage song. <laughs> I shit you not. If I was to like direct a modern music video for this now, I would like. I need a camera from the Nordic Track commercial. I need a Nordic Track. I need a woman with a really high waistline. So we put like the 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 the, the looks like the swimsuit, the but with the, yeah, one of those things on her. <laughs> Have her fucking just reading a Fabio book cover and then, like, cut to scenes of, like, Fabio, like, stock footage of Fabio, like, with his hair in the wind. Just a shitload of that. That's the whole video. Like, that shit would, oh. I gotta check this song out. It's so good. Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yes. Right? Okay, so. Oh, dude. Like, Jim Steinman did, like, a lot of her music. Uh-huh. And, like, that guy... You know, he did the push it to the limit. Oh, yeah. Like he's like known for like really badass like synth drums, and it's always like really fast and gallopy. Uh, holding out for a hero oh, yeah. is also one of his and Bonnie Tyler's, <laughs> and like oh man, <laughs> ravishing though, like ravishing specifically for aerobics or jazzercise. <laughs> it's for fucking banging, man, <laughs> or Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> 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 it uh, was ravishing <laughs> I don't remember that one. Oh man the piano and the cannon dude Once you hear that you're like oh yes Like my dick just got huge <laughs> And he went he went Hollywood he did he had voodoo child right Yeah Yeah with like a weird remix of like record scratching of NW yeah. New World Order <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild time, man. I, I I love when people talk about, especially like from a sports perspective, when a team goes to a rival team, it's like Hulk Hogan being coming NWO. Yeah. Like, I love that that metaphor for things. Cause <laughs> I feel like everybody our age can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was really iconic in pop culture in, yeah. in 96. 
It, it blows my mind because you know it's funny. Um, so you you host or, or you run the heavy metal wrestling here? Uh, I co-produce it. Co-produce it? Yeah, like uh, I'm mostly in charge of like the video side of things. Oh, cool. And I do I pitch in some creative stuff here and there. That's cool. Yeah. How did you get into it? Uh, I showed up. Oh, one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It's every Thursday, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. And then, Zach, you video for it too, right? I, I video for it. You yes. video for He's it. one of my camera operators. Camera it. Yeah, me and Seth. Yeah. Oh, Previously cool. on the show. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Full circle. <laughs> um, so what, uh, have you been consistently with interesting for this long? Or did you leave it and come back to it? I or? left it when, like, WCW's, well, it was, like, late 90s. Early no no it was early two thousands like music became more of a priority for uh-huh. me, um, but the the content on pro wrestling they call it the Attitude Era it yeah. was stupid and like <laughs> people talk about how they want the Attitude Era back and I'm like why there was never any wrestling it was basically Jerry Springer yeah with very minimal wrestling like. Yeah, there was, like, chance of, like, titties being popped out and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it there, there was hardly any matches. Like, anything that was memorable was, like, Mick Foley getting thrown off a cage, which yeah. was crazy. And then getting slammed through the cage onto the canvas. That's crazy. But that's literally all people really remember. No one... Yeah. No one really like remembers anything else from that era because that's what they want to see. They just want to see like bloodlust and yeah. power violence and like we had a deathmatch tournament at my warehouse and that was awesome. <laughs> and that fed a lot of people's bloodlust. Oh, There's yeah. still glass on the floor. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Um Can you get closer to the mic? Oh sorry. So you said that you were focusing more on music. Um, so Milo, we had on last episode, and he uh, afterwards we were talking about. He mentioned that you would like help local some local band. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the band. The Breakers. The Breakers. Yeah, and that you sort of just carrying their stuff around, and they're like, "Oh, he's our roadie now." You've done a lot of that stuff in engineering stuff, right? Like, yeah, I uh, used to tour with a couple couple bands. Uh, most notably, We the Kings. Okay, I was their guitar tech for a bit. And then I became stage manager, backline manager, and auxiliary player. So first couple songs of the set, I'd be playing with them. Uh, I even filled in on bass for for a little while while their bassist was recovering from a a brain tumor. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was scary. I bet, yeah. Because, like, the whole time I'm playing, I'm like, I really don't want to be doing this. Because, like... (laughs) My homie is fucking not doing good. Yeah. Like, this sucks. <laughs> <coughs> this was like in the mid-2000s, kind of like peak uh, tour. T- it was uh, actually 2012 is when I started oh, okay. working with them. And uh, I left them around 24, uh, 2015. Oh, cool. Because uh, I needed to tend to my mother. Oh. Uh, yeah. Basically, like, my mom got struck with breast cancer, and uh, she apparently had had it for a while and just didn't want to admit it or tell anybody. And, um, yeah, so I became her caretaker and uh, dropped everything to do that, you know. 
So, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you mind if I ask? Is she how's she doing now? Or? Oh, she passed away oh, in 2016. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. She she didn't admit to having it until like it was way late stage, like so she just wrote it out, and uh, yeah, cancer sucks. Yeah, my my mom had it. Um, we caught it early, and she lives in El Paso. And I, I saw like glimpses of it, so yeah. I, I can only imagine being there like the full time. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it it's definitely like psychologically damaging. Like watching like the deterioration of someone you love, you know, yeah. physically, and uh, you know, I was there, you know, bedside when she passed, and that was that was tough, man. It still is tough to this day, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, not a day goes by that I'm like, wish I could call my mom, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I feel you on that. I did the same thing a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a mess. It's a mess. And yeah. then like you know, there's no like handbook on like, hey, so instructions on how you deal with this shit. Yeah, uh, you're gonna need to get a lawyer. What? You're yeah. gonna need to go to the courthouse. What? What? I, I'm a, I'm a wreck. Like I can't <laughs> I can't do this. And yeah. then like you have to muster up like all the strength in the world and take a bunch of sedatives and a bunch of Red Bulls and kind of have like an interesting speedball thing while you're in a courthouse just to get documents and yeah. wow, you yeah. know, really difficult shit. And then, you know, some of your friends hang out still and like support you. And then some of your friends like, uh, he's an emotional wreck and I don't know what I can do. So I'm going to get out of here. You know, there's always yeah. that. And, uh, that becomes like, psychologically damaging as well and then you start second guessing everything and yeah it's losing a loved one losing a parent is fucking hard man and there is no handbook yeah like beetlejuice like had a great fucking wouldn't it be great if this happened <laughs> handbook yeah. for the recently deceased you know, uh, luckily hospice care was like really good and actually gave me a handbook of like what to expect. Yeah. But it didn't have anything like yeah, after the fact of like, Hey, so you're going to need to like call a bunch of banks and, uh, get an estate made, you know, you're going to need to transfer this and that. And yeah, it's, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and like, it's so like draining and. You know, I had just started a new job. I mean, granted, working from home, but, like, having to balance that with, like, everything on top of that, like, it's it's exhausting, you know? I bet. I, you, you were saying earlier that she was a big rock and roll fan. Did you feel that you've gotten her, like, did she have a lot of influence on your taste? Uh, I mean... The radio station we listened to growing up was always Kono, oh, so yeah. like all the all the music of the nineteen fifties and sixties is like what was always on in the car, and then uh, we we grew up with a lot of like movie soundtracks oh, cool. in the house, and like we had top uh, no no we had Cocktail, the Tom Cruise Tom movie, Cruise, yeah. uh, we had that on vinyl and 
CD. That was like one of the first CDs we bought. Like the first CDs in the house were the Ninja Turtles soundtrack, (laughs) which I still listen to today. (laughs) It's badass. (laughs) Don't at me. The first one or the (laughs) second one? Uh, The first one. Oh, okay. Yeah, with MC Hammer's This Is What We Do. Do, do. That song is still so hype, man. (laughs) And then 9.95 is always in my cardio playlist. Oh, yeah. Always. Like, it's... Got a great beat, and like if you're going for a jog, it's it's a great tempo. It's yeah. just fast enough, but it's yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, what a, do you remember? One of the first CDs you ever bought? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, that was when you okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first vinyl record I ever bought. What was that Bon Jovi "Slippery When Wet"? Really? <laughs> I thought it was going to be. Uh, Outer space music. Oh, really? I couldn't read. I was like three years old. I couldn't fucking read. <laughs> like, I, it, the, it's a fucking trash bag with some water on it. Yeah. But to a little three-year-old, it looks like a galaxy. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was going to be a, like, this is going to be space music, like Star Wars. This is going to be badass. Yeah. And like... Put the drop the needle, <laughs> and the first track is "Let It Rock," and like it starts off with this like really intense organ solo, <laughs> and like oh man, like gave me like crazy goosebumps, like it electrified me, like it was <laughs> it was way too much stimulation for like a three year old, and like I would and like this is with the headphones on, yeah. <laughs> so it's like. Oh, 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 you know, <laughs> and uh, like my face melted, and like then it cuts into that, <laughs> and like, oh, that record still holds up to this day. Great fucking record. <laughs> and I had actually known like one song before that. This girl that lived down the street put her headphones on, and she had uh, "You Give Love a Bad Name." Oh, yeah. And I heard like ten seconds of it, and like it, it was like. It was like getting cattle prodded, like <laughs> the sound of electric guitars. Like it was so like foreign to yeah. like my ears. You know, I was so used to the really light, you know, electric guitars of like the Beatles yeah. and the Beach Boys yeah. and stuff. And um, my brother came home one day with uh, Run DMC's "Raisin Hell" on, oh, yeah. on vinyl, and then Beastie Boys "License to Ill" on cassette. And he would go off to school, and I would sneak into his bedroom and steal that cassette <laughs> because I wanted to be as old as my brother, yeah. so I had to keep up with him. And he was five years older than me. So I would just steal his Beastie Boys cassette and just listen to it over and over and over again. And that was, like, one of my first, like, records that I remember playing start to finish on repeat because yeah. it was a cassette. You know, the record player was in the living room. And uh, so I didn't get to listen to my Bon Jovi all the time. <laughs> but Beastie Boys and the Beach Boys, I would steal those for my brother all the time. Pet Sounds specifically? or No, uh, it, it was like a greatest hits and it was oh, all the okay. surfer stuff. You know, let's go surfing now. Everybody's yeah. learning how. And like we had a bunch of those compilations. And then one day, like I got a Jan and Dean cassette tape and those are like the... Uh, like they they basically sang Beach Boys songs, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them I think they did better. Don't at me. <laughs> Those are all like they did like 
the Mike Smiths or what's his face? Um, when Brian Wilson left, yeah, like, they did those versions, or did they do like the? They did the the surfing stuff. Okay, so yeah. Uh, you know, little old lady from Pasadena. <laughs> My introduction to the Beach Boys was this, this Muppets, like... Oh, doing Kokomo, Kokomo yeah. on Nickelodeon? Yeah. Oh, man, that was so good. I, I, I used to... That was on the cocktail soundtrack. Oh, yeah? So, like, right. I, 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 like, knew that song. And, like, I'm singing, and, like, I remember watching that at, like, a friend's house, and they're like, you know all the words? <laughs> You nerd! I'm like, no, it's it's on the cocktail soundtrack. I think that was like what it was written for. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and yeah, uh, like the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. They released a volume two with like even more songs oh, really? from Dirty Dancing. Cause that soundtrack is lit, dog. <laughs> um, uh, damn it! I keep forgetting to burp <laughs> directly into the microphone. I'm sorry. We'll get, it. We'll, get it. we'll get it before this recording's over. Damn my fucking manners. <laughs> um, you know, on, on the note of, like, s- songs written for movie soundtracks and Bon Jovi, did you ever get into Young Guns? Oh, yeah, man. We had, bo- like, my mom was a big fan of Emilio Estevez. Oh, yeah. So if it was an Emilio Estevez movie, we could rent it or watch it or own it. If it, it, it so if it had Emilio Estevez and Lou Diamond Phillips, yeah. that's like Bing Bing. Yeah, we're gonna get this movie. Oh yeah, we had that on VHS one and two. <laughs> my I think my girlfriend just saw it recently and she was like, "Yeah, it's really bad." I'm like, "No, you just you just don't get it." Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean I I hear like they they do songs for like soundtracks now and unless like the artist is in the movie you don't really see full soundtrack albums anymore the way oh, they did in the 80s guardians of the galaxy well i mean like that where like they make the music oh for the, the, oh the, the full movie. score yeah oh uh, there's black, black panther Can, uh lamar kendrick lamar he did the whole album i thought there was a bunch of didn't he? I mean, at least produced all of he it. He did like a know. song or two. Uh, Tron. The whole thing. Da- Daft Punk did the music oh, to that's Tron. Oh, right. Legacy, true. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, if you count Trent Reznor. Oh. Because he doesn't do it as Nine Inch yeah. Nails. I like his stuff. I, I love. Uh, we are a cover podcast, and uh, he got Karen O to do um, Immigrant Song for Girl to Dragon Tattoo. And I think she only really does like a minute of the actual song. It's fucking awesome. It's one of my favorite like covers for a movie. <laughs> Hell yeah! Would do you have any favorite covers? Ooh, in sixth grade, I bought an album called Saturday Morning Cartoons oh, Greatest okay. Hits. Sublime did Hong Kong Fooey. They did. Yeah, that I was great. That. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I loved. Uh, I, my brother really liked Helmet. And oh, yeah. so like that was like my excuse to like, come on, dude, like I'm going to buy this because he kept saying like, no, dude, you don't need it. I'm like helmet and face to face are on it. You have their records. This is not lame, you know, and uh, but helmets cover of Gigantor. Oh, and uh, Reverend Horton Heat's Johnny Quest theme. Like, oh, OK. I remember, when, yeah. when he plays that, like just all the guitar parts and stuff, like it's a very, very intricate jazz piece. And, like, he nails it. <laughs> and, like, it just sounds so good the way he does it. It's funny you, you bring up your brother with that because, like, I'm the oldest brother and I'm my the youngest. uncle. Oh, really? Yeah, so I got to eat all the yeah. yellow starbursts and all the <laughs> orange starbursts. 
my uncle was kind of like that. He was about <laughs> 10, 15 years older than me. He had that album. I used How to do those red Starbursts taste, by the way? Amazing. <laughs> uh, but uh, my uncle, he, I would go into his room the way you go into your brother's yeah. room. And like that Saturday morning cartoons was one of the CDs I would, like he'd be, he went away to college. Tra right? la la yeah. la 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 <laughs> It's such a weird concept, but it worked. And it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I would always skip like Matthew Sweet doing Scooby-Doo. Oh, and yeah. then like one day when I turned like. 22 or 23 like matthew sweet made sense to me <laughs> and like now i love matthew sweet yeah, yeah. i'm like okay so matthew sweet is not for nine-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> you bring up helmet i saw helmet at the 2002 warp tour and it, i was about what 15 14? i was the only guy going nuts yeah <laughs> i i didn't get it. i wasn't it wasn't for me back then i oh, should probably man. revisit them Helmet's so good. <laughs> I think they played like right after what, Trust Company or what was it? Yeah. Hel- Helmet, like musically to me, is like, it's an attitude. Like, like listening to it, like it's heavy and like lyrically, like it's all prose, but it's all bitter and, but it still has like a groove to it. And it's, ah, it's a great fusion of like, metal and like urban contemporary <laughs> you know as far as like groove and everything i think when i saw them i was just like this is like if judas priest was a punk band and i don't know why i got that concept out of that yeah i'm gonna have to was, disagree the least singer was bald right yeah i think that's where i was like connecting them because i was a dumb teenager. well he's always had like crop buzz cut oh, okay. kind of hair and uh oh man Paige hamilton hell of a guitar oh, player yeah. hell of a guitar player and I've seen them live like several times, yeah. and the best show I've seen them do is uh, when they played at Red Seven. Oh yeah, like about ten years ago, maybe. Oh, I was like right up on the stage, and my face was getting blasted by a full stack amp, yeah. and yeah, I felt alive. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel like it's a small venue for them. I feel like it was real small, and it was real packed. Yeah, and it was real awesome. I had a great time. Yeah, I, m- I miss Red Seven. I miss a lot of those those venues that are go- or changed their name or whatever. They're just different now. I mean, do you remember Sin Thirteen here? Yeah, I used to work there. Oh yeah, and now it's a taqueria. And like, I can't help but think about like the one time that like you know we were cleaning up you know after everyone cleared out the bar and everything, and like a whole like army swarm of cockroaches started coming oh. in from the walls <laughs> and like i'm just like standing on the bar with my shoe in my hand and i had to get go double fist double shoe because like there's literally hundreds of cockroaches wow. that i was just it's smashing <laughs> it was it was it was probably the first upper body workout i had ever like done <laughs> um it's funny you bring up Sin 13. I was talking to Milo about this. Uh, you, you know the anniversary, um, the band anniversary? Yeah. So their last show was at Sin 13 before they broke up. What? They? Uh, I was reading an article when they got back together. Uh, have you seen them live? Yeah, I oh, was at man. that show at Sin 13. Oh, really? Yeah. That was their last show because they were talking wow. about how... Apollo Sunshine opened up that show, right? Oh, really? I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there, but they were talking about it in this, like, rolling... Not rolling, so it was, like, spin article... Like we play our last show was at San Antonio, this like little venue called Sin Thirteen, and as soon as we finished, they rushed us off because they were gonna do a goth night like immediately afterwards, 
and that like they they felt like they think they played for like ten people or so is what they yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, they did <laughs> because we tried promoting and no one uh, no one showed. It was yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> yeah, it was a time when like everyone still would rather just drive up to Austin and go see it at Nemo's. Oh, I forget about that too. I mean, that's. I, I feel like in high school, a lot of bands I like played here, and then when I moved to Austin, and I came back here, it felt like they stopped playing here. And I don't know if it was just maybe because I like different bands back then, but we definitely felt like they don't want to make that extra trip to to play in both, you know, ninety miles away. Yeah. Also, um, a lot of booking agencies have like weird radius clauses oh. so like you can't play within like 300 miles of a city oh, or real? some some crap like that they do that all the time which i think is why like you know we aren't getting a that rock fest this year the river city rock oh fest. really because i think uh the usual headliner got the radius clause and so that sucks <laughs> Like, I don't think it was a financial thing. I think it was like, but our main event yeah. is, can't come because they were doing a tour six months ago. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Zach and I were talking earlier about, like, uh, all the monopolies yeah. that are going on. And that's a that's a huge problem with with, like, the lack of, like, live music and the fact that, like, I mean, ticket prices are outrageous yeah. for concerts. And, like, I get that, like, they want, like, crazy production with, like, a stage that flies over the people yeah. with the sound system underneath. But, like, rigging that up every day or, like, and taking it apart to move it to the next, you know, arena, that's so excessive. Yeah. And it's really you know, yeah, it's a cool experience, but, like, why can't you just have, like, some good lights on the stage and just rock a regular stage, yeah. man? <laughs> <laughs> like, charging 300 bucks for a general admission, that's, that's like, more than someone's paycheck sometimes, yeah. you know? And, like, I don't know, like, everyone's chasing the large numbers and touring just isn't affordable to do like as a DIY band yeah. anymore. And then like the ticket prices for even just, you know, bands like we, the Kings, like I'm like, wait, they're, they're, they're what? They're $30. They're $25. Yeah. They're $20 here. What? What? Yeah. And then I look at our expenses. And I'm like, Oh yeah, we have a bus. We have, this, that, we have got flights that we got, uh, we got salaries, you know, and it's like, okay, I get it, but, you know, there's there's barely any bands that are just packing up a van and trailer and just hitting the road. Yeah. yeah I feel like that's, you, you know, you mentioned $25, $30, and I feel like it's been so normalized now to where, like, if it's, like, 20, 20 25 bucks, I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, this is a deal, because I'm so used to paying more for it now. Yeah. And, like, I come from a $5 show, yeah. $10 if it's, like, Dropkick Murphys. Yeah. You know, like, Dropkick Murphys are coming to town. Tickets are 10 bucks. <gasps> yeah! <laughs> like, that's expensive, but they're worth it, yeah. you know? <laughs> Vandals, 
seven. I think I saw the Vandals like five times for like seven dollars. Oh, really? And then like last time I saw them, it was like twenty five. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> this is crazy. I think that's why I think that's part of the reason why music festivals are are becoming more popular because you get more bang for your buck. You know? Yes and no. Um. It's lazy scheduling for a lot of bands because a uh, lot of bands don't want to do the traveling and like be part of a circus because yeah. it's costly. They get their payday right there and then and that's it, right? Yeah, they get their payday and then they fly home. Yeah. And then, you know, you got other bands that like basically like learned how to like be a family uh-huh. on the road and actually like travel and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like we're going to take two days off at this spot. And, like, explore the town and be tourists. We don't need a hotel. We've got our bus. Yeah. We need to take care of chores. We've got our bus. Um, Cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, If anything, they get, like, a day room at a hotel just to use a shower. Then they go on to the next town and actually perform. But very few bands, like, do that now yeah like i know mayday parade used to do that when they were touring in just an rv before they got the bus and i was reading they were the guy they were like one of those bands that would like pass out their demos and mayday parade hands down are one of the hardest working bands i've ever witnessed that like before they were in mayday parade they were called defining moment Uh and they stayed the night at my house one night oh really yeah and then they stayed at like another friend's house and like they literally just worked their ass off finding shows to play. Like they didn't care what city. Yeah. You got a stage, you, you got a mic, you got a PA system. All right, we're good. We, we can do this, you know? And they did it for years and years and years. And like one day I'm walking to the white rabbit and like, I see an old familiar face. I'm like, Brooks, like Josh <laughs> and like I'm looking at him and I'm like wow you're like on the magazine <laughs> your cover you've got like a bus and like a semi truck with your with your gear wow man like all that hard work really paid off he's like yeah dude and I still get to play in front of like my fans yeah and they get to go home happy. I'm like, that's what it's about. That's a dream. <laughs> that's that's what it's about. <laughs> and yeah, like Mayday Parade, hands down, hardest working band in show business, as far as I know. I've read a lot about them, and they not just and that, they're so humble. I was just about to say, that they so seem like humble, really cool guys. Like they they are like they are a true band of the people. They do it for the people. That's really cool. You don't see that a lot much anymore. And, and they're still very DIY, you know, to an extent, you know. Uh, they're they're great dudes. Like, highly recommend. Awesome. Highly recommend. Even if you don't like their music, highly recommend you hang out with them. You'll, <laughs> you'll be like, man, you guys are the coolest. <laughs> you guys are great. That's cool, man. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're coming up to time right now. Um, we talked about... Heavy metal wrestling. Do you want to? Is there anything else you want to plug? Um, we got a few more episodes that we're going to be taping. We're going to be stopping at number fifty. Oh, cool! Of our weekly broadcast of Heavy Metal Thunder, and uh, just coming up with like different ideas on how we're going to release that. You know, 
I'm thinking maybe uh, USB cassette tapes. Oh, cool. And like doing like a cool packaging of like, here's uh, Ruben Seal's greatest matches, you know, from the Heavy Metal Thunder catalog. And, you know, do something like that to where people can just plug it into their PlayStation or their TV oh, cool. and just play, play, play the matches and footage off of that directly instead of like having to waste more plastic with DVDs yeah. and shrink wrap and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Because you got to get like thousands of DVDs made at a time, and I don't even think people have DVD players anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the day of what's a DVD. Oh man, I when I was in uh, high school, I was doing Big Brother Big Sister. I was class of '06, and my little was in kindergarten, and he's talking about Mario. I'm like, yeah, I have a Nintendo 64. He's like, what is that? Oh, wow. In 06, he was used to the GameCube. Oh, man. So it hit me. I didn't get a GameCube until like three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I just bought a Switch. Oh, my brother got me a Switch for Christmas. So I'm finally kind of getting back into it. Oh, man. Love the Nintendo Switch. Oh, it's awesome. I I beat Smash Brothers recently. Same. I think once I finished it, I took a break. And I haven't gone back because I know I'm going to get... I'm I'm it. waiting for winter time to play Breath of the Wild. Like I bought it, me too. But it's still in the package, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna play this one day, yeah. but it's gonna consume a lot of my life. Overwhelming, yeah. Same with uh, there's a sleeper game, and it was highly rated called Golf Story. Oh, really? And like the name alone is like Golf Story. What? <laughs> Why? But it looks like. Probably the most amazing golf game ever. Really? And, like, it's kind of got, like, a Pokemon vibe to it. Oh, cool. But you're a golfer, (laughs) and you're trying to go pro. But it's an RPG. That sounds amazing. And you have to do, like, crazy trick shots where you, like, you got to, like, hit it off of a turtle that's, like, in the middle of a lake. Okay. Like, it's wild, and I can't wait to play it, but I know it's going to consume my life. Did you ever play... um Charles Barkley Shut Up and Jam RPG? Yes. Was I've never played it. Was it good? No. It was just a novelty of it? No. <laughs> and, ne- and Shaq Fu was just as bad. <laughs> um, what about the... I was going to bring this early, up earlier and I just re- remembered. Uh, did you ever play the emo game? Yes. I was obsessed with that. I played it like twice and I was like, uh, this keeps crashing my browser. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I learned about so many bands from that. That's <laughs> how I got into the anniversary and the promise ring. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. So that was like my my dictionary for like emo music. Midtown was my first emo band. Oh, really? If you call that emo. It was just well, rock last and roll to me. Was was a lot more. I love their last. I like all their, their, their CDs. Their, but. their first record, Save the World, Lose the Girl, love it. Yeah. Second record, I felt was had too much cheese on it. Yeah. And yeah, that's when they got like MTV. Yeah, yeah, and like the demos that they had like that had leaked before that record was released. Like the demos were so sick. Yeah, and then like the final copies like got all kinds of cheese so on super it. Super glossy. Yeah, and I was just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I still enjoy. And then it. they like wrote like a dark fucking record. That album fucking and then rules. they and they just broke up out of nowhere. They become Cobra Starship. <laughs> well, th- they all went separate ways. Yeah. I was hoping since Cobra Starship broke up that Midtown would reunite. I know. So I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for that. God. (laughs) (sighs) 
Well, all right. What a good band. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a band I always forget about, and then someone brings it up, and I'm just like, oh, I gotta I gotta go listen to them again. Midtown was that gateway band, man. Yeah. They, they were drive through record, or they or did they get on MCA? Yes. <laughs> all right well hey thank you again for coming on i really appreciate thank you this. for having me man this is, this is a lot of fun and um i've learned a lot from you <laughs> I, I always forget to say it. i feel like i learn a lot from my guests every time and and uh and yeah so coming up next we've got nerd rock joss playing when stars go blue by ryan adams Woo woo. <laughs> Dancing when the stars go blue Dancing when the mid 